Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of Positively Trek. We could not do this podcast without the support of our Patreon supporters, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, and Jim Stoffel. If you'd like to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Thank you so much for your support. And with that, let's get on with the show. Welcome everyone to Positively Trek On The Road. I'm Dan Gunther, one of your hosts, and with me as always is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, you're not on the road, but uh, I I gather that from your end you say I sound a little different today. Well, yeah, you're in your hotel room. It has a little bit of an echo because you're, you know, I'm sure there's high ceilings in in your room and because I can relate. This is such a great (laughs) joy for me because there have been times that I have been doing what you're doing right now, and that is taking my mic and my equipment on the road as I'm traveling and I'm reporting, calling into the show from my hotel room. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. When I don't even know what show it was, but it was something I was maybe a guest, I think, on Trek FM on the show. Maybe it was covering Star Trek Beyond. But I remember being told that when I get to my room, check the acoustics of the room and then put a bunch of pillows around me to keep the sound Ah. condensed. And I didn't bother doing that because that was awkward and I've never done it since. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I wouldn't have thought to do that. It makes sense. But, you know... People understand it's a podcast. Things happen. Sometimes situations aren't completely ideal. And yeah, I'm just so glad I was able to bring my recording equipment on the road. I'm uh, traveling far and wide working. And uh, I'm, I'm just really glad we were able to schedule out some time. We could record an episode here. So uh, you may remember a week ago or so or a couple weeks ago, I can't remember, I said, you know, there's some things that might be affecting the podcast coming up in the future. So uh, that's what this is about. But luckily, we're here ready to bring you another episode. (laughs) I love the dedication, Dan. You're pulling through for us. (laughs) Yeah, I hate missing deadlines. And I hate skipping episodes and stuff. And the time may come where we will have to do that at some point. But this week is not that week. So very happy to be here. (laughs) Well, we're glad to have you. Awesome. Well, we're going to have an interesting discussion today. I thought a fun topic might be Star Trek's most stirring moments, because I thought that was a really uh, interesting way to describe. So uh, by stirring, I think I'm going to separate from like tearjerker moments, not quite tearjerker, but like 
those feelings you get when you're watching Star Trek where you're like, wow, I'm filled with awe and I'm inspired and I just, you know, I maybe I'm going to cry a little bit, but it's not tears of sadness. It's tears of like joy and awe. So we're going to talk a little bit about those moments that make us feel that. But before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news this week. And uh, in a surprise move, and I put surprise in quote marks here because, uh, you know, there's those people out there that constantly try to tell us that the opposite of this is true. But Viacom CBS has extended Alex Kurtzman's contract for another five years as they map out the future of the Star Trek universe and its role in Paramount Plus and Star Trek and television and all that stuff. So, uh, Bruce, when you saw this piece of news come across the internet did you see any interesting reactions out there oh i predicted the interesting reactions <laughs> and then i saw them as soon as i saw this news i was like oh boy this isn't going to make some people happy and as, as soon as i see it i start to see all these comments of like oh this sucks oh star trek is ruined ah, blah, blah 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 and i think i saw it originally in a facebook post uh, from Variety on their article about this. And so I felt like I should show them some love. And I just said, congratulations, Alex, because there was all this negative stuff. Now, I think, I, I you know, of course, we don't have true data that shows anything, but I think most people are happy with some of the, or if all, the new Star Trek stuff and are fine with Alex Kurtzman there. And it's like those who don't are very vocal about it. But I don't think that's the majority, but I don't know. It could be. I just assume it's not because they wouldn't keep Kurtzman and these shows going if they weren't popular. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think success breeds the continuation of what's going on. So... You know, we have five series in production. We've seen three of them. Two of them are still coming. We're looking forward to seeing those soon. And there wouldn't be, like you said, those in production continuing if they weren't popular or if uh, CBS Viacom didn't have faith in them, the ones that we haven't seen, for example. And as well as the uh, the rumblings of different series coming down the line. So recently, Alex Kurtzman spoke a bit about Section 31. And also, I don't know, have you seen online? I haven't really tracked back the sources of these yet, so I didn't want to include it in the news proper today. But I've been seeing some rumblings about the Starfleet Academy idea coming up again from a few sources. I don't know. I, yeah, I do remember see, reading something somewhere that mentioned Starfleet Academy as if he mentioned it or something in I think it was in the Variety article that I read that okay yeah I haven't really had time to kind of uh, look through all of that but it's interesting you know and and the stuff I've seen has said it's more geared towards a younger audience and that kind of thing so you know I think what Star Trek's trying to do right now is have a very broad appeal to a bunch of different demographics and we see that certainly with Prodigy kind of trying to get that kid market and stuff. So Viacom CBS seems pleased with what Alex Kurtzman's doing and and looks like they want to continue that relationship. And personally, speaking for myself, I'm very pleased with what I've seen from Star Trek so far. There's been some rocky bits here and there and that sort of thing. But I think overall, I've really enjoyed the new Star Trek stuff and I'm really excited to see it continue. So, you know another five years. I wonder what Star Trek will look like in five years. <laughs> I don't know. It could even look a lot different than it does now. You never know. 
you know, the thing I want to clarify, though, is this isn't just a Star Trek thing. Alex Kurtzman is doing other projects for Viacom CBS. So, you know, it also could be that he's just very well liked at the company. They like his other projects, and so they want him to just continue to do what he's doing with Star Trek. You know, sometimes, and again, I'm, I don't know the thought process, and I don't know what's going by going on behind the scenes i'm kind of addressing this as uh whether you like this new stuff or not the point is that this is a business and so maybe he's just appeasing the executives at viacom cbs with what they want by showing them that hey i'm building up the star trek franchise to your point dan the whole i'm going after this audience with this type of show i'm going after a different audience with this type of show so if we get as much of a broad audience as we can in all these little sections we're bringing up and elevating this franchise up and i think they're responding to that in a positive manner and the paramount plus subscriptions have continued to go up so everything from the viacom cbs corporate standpoint is seeing growth and is seeing the building of a franchise so it whether creatively you think it's good or not on the business side it's working yeah and success breeds success so i i think he wouldn't be rewarded if there wasn't that bottom line financial success being shown so yeah, and I think that's reflected probably on their end in Paramount Plus subscribers and the growth of the business that way. And speaking of Paramount Plus expansion, we've got Viacom CBS partnering with Sky for Paramount Plus expansion into Europe. Uh, and included in that is Star Trek Prodigy in 2022's debut lineup there as well. So yeah, Paramount Plus is continuing to expand, not just in the U.S., but also overseas as well. So, and I think Star Trek's got to be a big part of what's fueling that push as well. Yeah, and not all the Star Trek series are on the service in Europe or in Latin America or even in Canada or wherever. I mean, you just have to look where you live at what is included or not. So, yeah, Star Trek Prodigy will be included in this in Europe and I think also in Latin America. But, you know, the other Star Trek series are still either on Netflix or on Amazon Prime. They're all kind of scattered about. I don't know if the long-term plan would be to have all these Star Trek series eventually on Paramount Plus internationally or not. You know, it all depends on different contracts and, you know, distribution contracts and things that are going on and how those play out. But talking a lot with these studios, myself and my day job you know there really is all this talk about just expansion everywhere of owning your own app distributing your own content in your own environment on your own platform and then expanding that internationally into other countries and you know it's a bit of chess playing because there's a lot of moving parts that are involved because you have deals with other studios and other distributors and it just gets mucky and messy and really confusing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, the other thing uh, that I'm kind of getting from this right up on TrekCore.com regarding Star Trek Prodigy in particular, uh, it's of course slated for debut in North America this fall. And presumably in Latin America on the Paramount Plus expansion there this fall. But it's a little unclear if our friends in Europe with this expansion will have to wait all the way until next year till they see the new show or if it will be available on other services as well in the meantime. We're not entirely sure about that yet. 
the international distribution beyond what we see in this deal uh, has yet to be announced. So hopefully we see that prior to this fall. <laughs> uh, that makes me a little nervous. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. We're yeah. kind of seeing shades of that lower decks thing again, maybe. That's what I was just thinking. Uh, I, the writing on the wall kind of leans that direction, and I hope for our friends that it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I hope so, for sure. But regardless, overall, this expansion seems to be really good news for Viacom CBS and Paramount+. Plus. It's getting into more homes, being more widely available. However, all of the news this week, we, we've got to be fair. We've got to like report all the news of Star Trek as it comes. And, and all of the news this week regarding Star Trek on Paramount Plus isn't necessarily good. So, Bruce, I see you've added this to the notes, and I did see this as well. Do you want to talk a little bit, bit about what's happening to the Star Trek movies on Paramount Plus right now? Well, they're not there. So, <laughs> oh, wait, and I got something else to tell you, too. It just reminded me. So, yeah, the movies aren't there. So, what was it? Maybe just a couple months ago. It wasn't very long ago that we reported that the first 10 movies were on there. And I think, it, I know Beyond was on there. And I think the only ones missing maybe were Star Trek 09 and Into Darkness. I think that was how it played out. So, there were two missing. Well, now, all those previous 10 movies are no longer on Paramount Plus right now. And the only ones on there are Into Darkness and Beyond. Just those two. Mm -hmm. At least the last I looked the other day. For all I know, they just left today. But yeah, they're going. those other movies are going to appear on AMC+. Plus. So I don't know how long those are going to be on AMC+, and if they come back to Paramount+. Plus. But again, as I talked earlier, there's all these distribution deals out there, and they get really messy and muddy, and it's just like there's all these moving parts. So these movies aren't necessarily going to be exclusive to Paramount Plus probably anytime soon. Uh, I, they may be doing this coming and going type of thing. I know the company I work for, we've had conversations with Paramount to dip into their library for some of our services. And I'm sure Paramount wants to use the Star Trek library as an incentive to show, hey, look at the Paramount library that you can buy into, right? So mm -hmm. if they take that away from that library, it makes their property look a little less attractive to buyers who want to distribute their content. So anyway... I'm glad I bought the Blu-rays the other <laughs> earlier in the year because <laughs> I wanted the digital codes because I never had the movies all digitally. And then I saw them on Paramount Plus. I was like, well, I just spent money on Blu-ray for nothing. I guess I've made a right decision on that. That's been a little bit of a roller coaster of a decision over the last few months. That's interesting to kind of see how the winds of fortune have changed on that. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on this. Of course, here in Canada, I don't get Paramount Plus, or I, I don't see the same Paramount Plus you guys do. Uh, I'm not subscribed, but uh, yeah, for most of our listeners, this is definitely an interesting turn of uh, events, and hopefully, you know, we can get all of Star Trek on their flagship streaming service, you know, so... Yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, it's not as devastating as the other thing I wanted to mention that I just remembered. So, because, you know, most of our listeners like us, you know, we have the movies on DVD or Blu-ray or some other service, or even if you can't get them on Paramount Plus, you can go somewhere else. Maybe you have a subscription to or a free service and watch them. So they're available elsewhere. But here's the thing that gets me, and I'm going to look it up right now. The other day I was on the treadmill and I was on Paramount Plus, 
And I still had like a few more minutes left on the treadmill and I was finished watching what I was watching. And I thought, well, what can I watch for the next like five minutes or so? And I thought, oh, let me go to Short Treks. And I went to Short Treks and the episodes weren't there. Oh, you're kidding. But okay, I'm on the app. They're there now. <laughs> oh, But they weren't there. So I was like, why am I not seeing it? There was just uh, the extras, the clips, like, you know, interviews and trailers and that sort of thing but none of the episodes. So then after I finished on the treadmill, I went to my app on my phone and I went there and it was the same thing. There were no episodes. So I immediately got onto Twitter and tweeted it out and no one really responded to that. And then I saw somebody who also tweeted the same situation a few days before me. And I contacted Paramount plus with a direct message and explain the situation and told them they can contact me, whatever, da, 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 to fix the issue. Because it sounded like when they respond to the other guy that it was a technical issue. Mm, so okay. I just look now and all the episodes are there. So we're good. That's good. <laughs> but I was worried. I was like, why would they take short tracks off Paramount Plus? Because that was made exclusively for that service. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, like you said, it sounds like it was a technical issue, but that kind of speaks to a larger thing that, you know, sometimes these streaming services aren't completely reliable. So, you know, you have a Blu-ray on your shelf. If you have a Blu-ray player that works, you're pretty much guaranteed that when you sit down to watch something, it's going to be there. But yeah, that's that's unfortunate that that happened, that, you know, in that moment, the service really wasn't there for you for what you wanted to watch. So another thing we'll have to keep an eye on when the when the content isn't local to where you are you're kind of reliant on another person's technology or, or you know an off-site technology to be able to bring the stuff to you and sometimes that can go wrong a little bit yeah and i have the blu-ray so i wasn't that worried if i really want to watch short tracks i have the blu-ray but to your point i'm on the treadmill I don't have the Blu-ray there. I don't have it set up. I'm not going to get off, pop it in just for five minutes left on the treadmill, right? And I'm <laughs> expecting it to be as part of a service that I'm paying for that is exclusive to that service. But for a moment, I started to worry. It's like, oh my gosh, are they going to start putting, you know, taking like Discovery off at, you know, the first season so they can put it on somewhere else? And would we see these things come and go? Because the movies had just left. So I started thinking, mm -hmm. are they going to start cleaning house and things come and go all the time? But yeah, apparently it was just a technical issue. Okay, well, that's good. And yeah, hopefully those like being kind of the the crown jewel of, of what they're offering, or at least to us Star Trek fans, I guess, maybe not the rest of the world at large. But, you know, hopefully those would stay on the service and not go anywhere. Yes, hopefully. And I want to keep them all there so I can watch them anytime I want. Well, let's get to our discussion here a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about what I thought of as, as Star Trek's most stirring moments. And I kind of I assembled a little brief list of stirring moments, and some of them are kind of sad and some of them are kind of, you know, really happy. But for the most part, they're things that kind of make you feel some kind of deep emotion and not necessarily like tragic or really, really sad, but just, you know, that feeling of deep emotion when you're watching Star Trek, it's kind of hard to put into words. So hopefully some of these examples might help a little bit. So 
uh, yeah, I picked from kind of across the Star Trek universe, and uh, hopefully, Bruce, you have some thoughts on these and maybe some some moments to add as well yeah. uh, as we go through here. I, I I think I made a mistake. I got a little confused. Um, maybe maybe this will clue clue you in as to why I was confused. So one of my most stirring moments is Neelix making Talaxi and coleslaw. I, <laughs> I thought you meant stirring, like making food. So all my stuff are like a bunch of Neelix things. <laughs> Leola root coleslaw. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, I have the right stuff. Okay. All right. Well, I, I guess we'll go in like rough release order because my first one comes from the original series and it's kind of a sad moment, but at the same time, it's one that kind of, I don't know, makes me uh, feel a little bit proud or a little bit, you know, I don't know. So we'll see what you think here. Um, I chose the sacrifice of the Romulan commander in the first season TOS episode, Balance of Terror. And that great line he gives to Kirk when he says, in another reality, I might have called you friend. And he sacrifices his ship uh, rather than be taken uh, captive by the Federation. And Yes, it's a sad moment, but at the same time, you kind of respect the decision of this Romulan commander and understand that, you know, as he says, they're creatures of duty and he has just one last duty to perform. And there's even like a, a deleted scene and there's there's still photos of this out there of Kirk saluting the Romulan commander as he sacrifices himself. And that's kind of the feeling they seem to be trying to evoke with that scene. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Uh, cut scene or photo of him saluting that's cool it's interesting yeah it's a really grainy photograph but you can definitely tell it's from this episode and he's staring looking at the screen doing the little salute so uh you know if that scene had made it in the episode salutes would be canon in star trek but we've never seen it in canon (laughs) Mm. we'll have to work that in sometime Uh, no, that's a good one. I always loved the episode Balance of Terror. It's one of my favorite TOS episodes. And I think that's a, that's a good call because the great thing about that episode is that our villain is respected, you know, by our hero because they, they not acknowledge that they're on different sides, but they also see a lot of themselves in each other. And that's a really good episode. So yeah, I, I like, that's a good stirring moment. Uh, so from there, is there is there anything else in the original series that you thought of as like a really stirring moment that you want to talk about? I did. And I know you will help me with this better than I could do this myself. But the whole speech from Kirk about risk is uh, our business. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure you have that whole thing memorized. <laughs> if I pressed myself, I could probably get it all out, but... Yeah, the whole risk is our business. That's what the starship is all about. That's why we're aboard her. And it it goes on from there. I, I won't torture everybody. But <laughs> yes, that is absolutely a very stirring moment. And uh, everything in that scene, the music, you know, building to a crescendo and stuff is, as Kirk makes this decision and stuff. That's a really good one. Absolutely. Perfectly the feeling I was going for. Yeah. There's another one I have in here, and I'm I'm contemplating if this really is a stirring moment and, and how we're approaching it. But in some ways, it does work for me as a stirring moment, and that is the whole death of Edith Killer. 
Hmm. When De- when yeah. Edith Keeler dies, I mean, it's an emotional moment, but to me it's also a stirring moment because it's friends who find each other and friends that are preventing Kirk from changing the timeline and doing the honorable thing of risk, right? We're risking the life of this person. She needs to die to keep things the way they are. And to me, it's very much a message of Star Trek, of the prime mm-hmm. directive. And when they come through the Guardian, then, you know, Kirk gives his speech, like, let's get the hell out of here. I don't know. It's it's not quite what we're going with with stirring, but it is, for me, like something I just want to put out there. Absolutely. No. And, and that's kind of a theme that's going to come up with in a few of my picks for the list as well, where there's a tragic element to it. You know, there's there's sadness to it. But at the same time, it's also there's a lot of dignity in that moment where, you know, Kirk has made this decision to save the future at the expense of uh, his love and the, the life of Edith Keeler, obviously. And in that moment, the future is saved. So there's, there's definitely a triumphant aspect to it in this moment of great tragedy. So yeah, absolutely. I can see how that, definitely fits in there. And then right before that as well, the reunion between um, Kirk and Spock and McCoy, Right. that moment, the, the kind of roller coaster that episode puts you on, you have that moment of great elation. And then seconds later, that moment of tragedy, it, it really is, it, it stirs all of those feelings together, I think. Yeah. And it just reminds me also a mock time, when at the end, when Spock realizes Kirk is alive, that just came to mind when you mentioned that. That's a perfect moment as well. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm going to move on to uh, the Star Trek films. And the first one on my list here from there is uh, a moment that I think a lot of Star Trek fans love. It's very extended. It goes on for a while, like a lot of things in the motion picture. Um, and that is the uh, Scotty flying Kirk around the Enterprise and Kirk looking at this love of his life, this ship that he's commanded after its refit and the long, graceful shots of, of the ship and the reaction shots of Kirk getting a little misty eyed and all of that stuff. That whole scene is just I love it. I could watch that over and over and over again. The music, the visuals, it's just the perfect scene for for getting those stirred up emotions going. I love how you're saying, oh, I could watch it over and over again because I do that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like sometimes <laughs> I put that movie on just to play that scene and then I'll yeah, watch it absolutely. again, you know, and just listen to the music. And it saddens me in some ways that we probably won't get that in a movie again. You know, the closest we got to that was Lower Decks. I was going to (laughs) say, and they were mocking it, but at the same time, it was with love. So, you know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's, there's a certain pace to sci-fi, you know, action movies, fantasy movies now in theaters, and they go a lot faster. And I know a lot of people talk about the motion pictures being too slow. And I agree in a lot of ways it is too slow. But I I also like that, you know, I just like to just like take in the environment, feel like you're there, feel the moment, don't rush it, you know. But to me, you really have to be a fan to really appreciate that. If you're not really that much of a fan, you'd probably be yawning going, oh my gosh, when is this going to like move forward, (laughs) you know. (laughs) 
You kind of want to be like the characters in Monty Python in the search for the Holy Grail. It's only a model. (laughs) 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 But to us Star Trek fans, it's much more. So, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Well, and to add to that, there is one more scene in the movie that I thought of, and it's at the end when V'ger evolves. Mm, And then you see the Enterprise slowly coming towards you on screen and the planet Earth behind like it's been safe. Like that moment also gets to me. Yeah, that's a really good one for sure. Uh, We'll find, I think, a lot of like the the climaxes of various movies and and episodes will have those feelings in it for sure. Uh, That comes up again in this list as well. But yeah, that's a really good one as well. Absolutely. Well, I chose one also from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And the end of that movie, of course, is uh, filled with tragedy, with the death of Spock. Spoiler alert for a movie that came out the year I was born. Just, you know, FYI. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I didn't want to choose, of course, the death of Spock. That's not quite what I was going for. But tied to that, very shortly after that, we get a scene, a, a, a little bit of a, mon- not a montage, but like a pullback from the Enterprise and the kind of flyover of the Genesis planet. And then you see Spock's photon torpedo tube soft landed on the surface, and then it pulls out into space. And you hear Leonard Nimoy as Spock give that famous monologue, space, the final frontier. And it goes on from there. And that moment after having witnessed this this death of a character I love and all that sort of stuff, putting aside that he comes back later and stuff, that moment just like always fills me with such kind of emotion and hope, especially seeing uh, his coffin on the, on the surface and that kind of hint that this may not be the end sort of thing. I love that moment. That That moment really stands out for when I saw it in the theater in 82. Mm-hmm. You know, because I bet, yeah. we had no idea of a, oh, well, the next movie is called The Search for Spock, right? We had like, we thought Leonard Nimoy is done. Spock is done, you know? So that was really like, a, well, that's the end of Spock, <laughs> you know? So it was really moving. Of course, now you go, well, yeah, I know he comes back. Even if you haven't seen the other movies, you know, because you've seen, you know, other things of his pictures and older Spock. So, you know, he must come back. Right. So you're not mm. going to get that same effect, but yeah, back then it was a big deal. Oh, absolutely. And I, I kind of always wish that I'd been able to experience that exactly like that. And, uh, you know, there's, there's always going to be every time I've seen that, just that knowledge that kind of impacts that a bit, but that moment still, wow. All the feels as the, as people say. Yep. But it also reminds me then, which isn't on the list, but kind of put a shout out to the death of the Enterprise in the next movie in mm. The Search for Spock. is It's a moving moment, but it really, that them standing, the crew standing there watching the ship go down, and it's, it's, it's an honor to their best friend, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, one that I didn't put on the list, but, you know, Speaking through this, I kind of have to add also from the search for Spock is Jim. Your name is Jim. And then everybody rushing up to greet Spock, who is truly at that moment returned 
I think that, of course, has to be on this list as a very stirring moment. <laughs> and Spock's like, who the heck are these people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I love that moment. And it's just, you know, everyone's all smiles, except, of course, for Spock and Savick. But they're still feeling deep emotion. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I still really feel like watching that right now. <laughs> I do, too. That's the thing. Anytime we talk about this stuff, I'm like, oh, now I, I just want to... I want to, this shows how old I, how old we are, I guess. I want to pop in the VHS like I did when I was a kid and fast forward to that scene. <laughs> oh, I got rid of my VHSs long time ago at a, a garage sale. <laughs> oh, nice. I have no idea where mine would be. Probably in some box somewhere. <laughs> I remember getting the first four movies in a set from uh, Sam's Club. You know, it's like a Costco, those kind of things. When I was... Like in like it was before it was right before Star Trek Five came out. Oh wow! Yeah, I think I got something similar right before Star Trek Six came out, but it was a five five box set. Yeah, yeah, I remember that <laughs> set. But yeah, mm-hmm. with like the painting of the Enterprise on the side, yep. it's kind of red and black. Yes, themed. Yeah. I love that one. And they had a CD that also came out with that same as the cover art of that Enterprise with the red oh in yeah the back. yeah. That had selected uh, songs from those five movies. Oh, that's cool. I never got that one. I still have that one, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, another moment from the films, and and this is from one of my favorite films, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. And this is, for me, kind of the moment that inspired this idea for this episode. And I know you feel a little differently (laughs) about this moment. So this is going to be a fun little bit of a discussion. But... The reveal of the Enterprise A at the end of Star Trek for the voyage home when Kirk says, my friends, we've come home. And, you know, the they pass the Excelsior. <laughs> the Excelsior kind of drifts down and away and you see the Constitution class Enterprise A hove into view as they uh, they come towards it. So to me, a very stirring moment. They've come home. This is obviously the Enterprise obviously the ship they're going to get i love that moment and now i turn it over to you who i think if i recall correctly has a little bit of a different stance on this scene (laughs) i do but you have to think about where i was at that time in my life so when i saw this in the theaters i was not a big star trek fan i've seen any i had seen every movie in the theaters as they came out i'd seen I don't know, a handful of the original series episodes, but I wasn't big into Star Trek, but I really liked the movies. So, you know, here we are in the 80s and the Enterprise gets destroyed in the movie before this one and you see the Excelsior and to me, ooh, the Excelsior looks more updated. I think it looks more cool. And when the the end of the movie comes and they're like, Ooh, what ship we're going to get? And Sue's like, I hope it's Excelsior. I'm like, yeah, me too. That'd be so cool. (laughs) They have a whole new different ship now, bigger, badder and all this. And they fly over and I'm like, it's the freaking same ship we've had all this time. (laughs) What? No. I was so disappointed. Cause I didn't have. (laughs) Why in God's name would you want that bucket of bolts? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't like, oh, and that in love with the Enterprise. I mean, if I saw that movie now the way I am now, I probably would be more stirred like, yes, oh, we got that Enterprise back. You know, same type of ship. But man, back then, as a casual fan, I was just like, oh, no, I want the big bad ship there, that Excelsior <laughs> one. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I, I get that. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to jump to the end of the Star Trek films, uh, the original Star Trek films, and I didn't put this on the list, but I think I've got to include Kirk's final captain's log as captain of the Enterprise A as it flies off into the sun at the end of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, when he says, soon this ship and her legacy will be the... Oh man, I'm messing up the line, but it'll be under the care of a new crew and they will continue our adventures to all the undiscovered countries, boldly going where no man, where no one has gone before. And that whole ending and then the signatures coming up, like all of that, it's just such a great capstone on the original series era and one that like always brings a wee tear to my eye, as as Scotty might say. (laughs) That was on my list. I was going to bring that whole thing up. Yeah. Oh, I should have let you do that. Sorry. No, no, it's great. Uh, I mean, it was the 25th anniversary. Yeah, it's their last time on screen together, their last adventure. And at this point, I really was a serious Star Trek fan at this point. So I was like into Star Trek everything. That's when I was always, I was already into reading a bunch of the novels. I was engrossed now. So going to see this movie was a really big deal to me. And like you said, that last monologue and those signatures, I was just like, oh my gosh. And I kept thinking, at least we have the next generation. At least we have that. Like, it's not over. It's just over for them, you know? Mm -hmm. And who would have known at that time that we've gotten so much Star Trek since, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, at the time it was just, it was Kirk or Picard, right? Yeah. You know, that was it. That was the entire Star Trek universe. And even just a few years before that, even the next generation wasn't a thing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, to think that there's so much now and it all came from that, that's crazy. I used to wonder back then, like you said, Kirk and Picard, and you would see them on the cover of Time and TV Guide or all these different magazines and such. And then I thought, well, okay, now that the original crew's done, now the next generation is going to carry on. But at some point, they're going to get older. Will they do another Star Trek? I mean, I guess it would be like the next, next generation. <laughs> that was totally what I thought at the time, too. I was like, the 25th century, of course. <laughs> right. You know, like each one will have to go forward about a century. So, but yeah, <laughs> it shows our limited imaginations and why we're not TV execs or writers. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, for the rest of this list, what I kind of did was I picked basically one scene from each series and with cheats because we'll get to Deep Space Nine and I picked more than one scene there. (laughs) But this is kind of where I was going was like the one that kind of popped into my head. Now, of course, I have more coming to my head is the more we talk about this and we'll bring those up, of course. So, you know, my my initial pick might seem odd. It might be like, really, that's the most. But in, in the moment when I was writing this list, I was like, okay, for some reason, this moment spoke to me and, and reminded me of these feelings. So for the next generation, the one I picked was the end of the episode, The Inner Light, when uh, it's revealed what this life has been that Picard is living, this life of Cayman and his um, past relatives that have since passed on appear to him there and tell him about the probe and why he's experiencing this and you kind of get the awe that like oh this planet 
died, everyone ended, and this is them preserving their legacy through Picard. And that moment for me, like there is definite sadness to it, but at the same time, it's like the weight of this this responsibility that he now has to tell this story and and what he's experienced. It just for some reason stirs those emotions in me of of yeah, like deep appreciation and and awe for what he's gone through, if that makes sense. I mean, it's one of the best episodes, right? I mean, it, absolutely, it's yeah, so great. Yeah, I I totally agree with you on this one for sure. I I love the inner light. I I think about this episode quite a bit because can you imagine just living another lifetime within a few minutes and carrying yeah. that with you in your current real life for the rest of your life as if you've had two lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's wild. That's really got to change you. You know, it's, it's absolutely be weird. And then you might be questioning, wait, was that me or was that Cayman? Like, did I do that? You know, it's like, there's so much there, but yeah, yeah. it's definitely a stirring moment uh, in that film at the end or at that episode. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you for other moments in the next generation. I have a couple that popped into my head as well that uh, I might mention if, if they don't come up. Yeah, do that, because I, I, I started the list, but I didn't finish it, so I didn't really even get this far, so I'm just going off like what comes to mind as we're talking, and it was Riker at the end of The Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Oh, and yeah. knowing that there's Jean-Luc and the whole crew seeing Jean-Luc as a Borg and what are they going to do? And Riker has to make a decision of how to handle the situation. And of course, it ends with that cliffhanger of him saying fire. And to me, that's a stirring moment because for him, because this is his mentor, this is his captain, and then this is his crew that he has to also protect. And he's got to make mm-hmm. a decision based on protecting him himself his crew and the federation by killing his captain and or attacking the ship that this captain's on who may be long gone and that was just a stirring moment for me of course had to live through the whole summer wondering what happens but you know (laughs) i just remember that moment was just like i mean that's what you got to do in starfleet you got to put your pants on you got to stand up and you just got to say fire Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good one. And, and definitely one of those iconic moments that really sticks with you for sure. Uh, the other one that popped into my head as we were talking has to be, I think, the end of the episode Unification Part 2, when Spock mind melds with Picard. Yes. And just the, the crossing of the generations and the idea that Spock and Sarek never mind melded, but now he finally gets to share his father's thoughts and feelings through Picard. That whole moment is just beautiful. And uh, just, you know, as the episode fades to black with, you know, executive producer coming up and like, that's the very end of this whole two-parter. I love that. I just, it what a great note to end those episodes on. No, that's a good one for sure. Yes. As soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that one? <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm like, when I made this list, why didn't that pop into my head? That's what I'm, I'm like, hmm. Like, I love the inner light, but man, that unification one. Like, I would have thought that would that would have uh, superseded it. Well, all I can think of is we're going to finish this episode and think of more. And in my mind right now, I'm thinking, okay, what are listeners saying 
right now. Like, come on, guys, you got to call out da da da, and we're gonna like totally miss it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you a stirring moment is when in the episode Justice, when Wesley falls into the flower bed. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh man, yeah, such deep feelings there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm anyway kidding. i'm kidding <laughs> um i can't think of any right now off the top of my head you you said you have another one um I, it was kind of similar to the i was kind of going back and forth on which one to pick but i think also of the episode sarek and again for that generations crossing moment i think when sarek comes aboard the enterprise and it's really the first time there's been kind of a crossover between the original series and the next generation and you feel like there's so much history embedded in this character and the reverence that the TNG crew holds him in. I, I guess would would picking that whole episode as a moment with that work? I don't know. But yeah. yeah, for me, it was just like, there's such importance in this character. And it really made me feel like, wow, this universe, these heroes that we saw in the original series, they're the like childhood heroes of the next generation people. And that make you know it's kind of cool, like meeting your your biggest hero kind of thing. Well, that makes me think of the first episode encounter of Farpoint when we see McCoy mm. on the ship with that's Data. true, yeah. And I remember watching that episode for the first time and seeing that, and I that was kind of a stirring moment for me. I, at that time, I didn't care for the rest of the episode. That was my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that great line that that scene ends on. Well, it's a good ship. And she's got the right name. You treat her like a lady and she'll always bring you home. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It stirs emotions there. I like that. Yeah, That's a good one. Yeah. The other one that just came to mind is the measure of a man. Mm, you know, there yes. he sits, <laughs> you know, those scenes. Oh, oh with data. Such and a great oh my gosh. speech. Oh my God. Yeah. That whole speech <laughs> right there. That's that one is a stirring moment. Definitely. Oh, great pick. Good one. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to Deep Space Nine, and I'm breaking my rule on this list already because I have a couple already listed here. And uh, I have to say, Nog ended up being one of my absolute favorite characters in all of Star Trek. And you see him as a kid being a thief in the very first episode, and you would not expect that to be the case. Like, oh, this annoying Ferengi brat who's a bad influence on Jake over the course of the series, spoiler alert for Deep Space Nine, he becomes a Starfleet cadet. He becomes an ensign. And by the end of the series, he becomes a lieutenant. And in season seven, he encounters a personal tra tragedy where he loses his leg in a battle. And we get an amazing follow-up episode to that called It's Only a Paper Moon. And he undergoes counseling and he spends time with Vic Fontaine in the holodeck in the hollow suite, I should say. And at the very end of the episode, he's in an empty hollow suite trying to activate the program and Vic appears to him. And that whole scene, which again, has a lot of sadness in it. There's a lot of tragedy. He's experienced all of this loss, but there's so much hope in that scene as well as Nog kind of takes his first step to true recovery as Vic Fontaine kind of tells him that he needs to leave the hollow suite. He needs to rejoin his real life. If you spend your life in here, you'll become as hollow as I am, as he says. And it's just such an incredible, amazing scene that just never fails to bring me to tears. 
with sadness, but also with hope that Nog is on his way to recovery. And I just, that scene means so much to me. That was a big turning point for that character. And I think the Nog character is probably the character that grew the most through that series. Mm -hmm. Which is saying something, because so many of those characters had such huge character arcs. They did. And if he's not the most, he's definitely in the top few. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. I just think back to watching the first, you know, episode in the first season, and I would never think, you know, oh, Nog would end up being one of my favorite characters. But by the end of the series, he became one of my favorite characters. And that moment there really made him step up. You know, I mean, he was he was stepping up as he became a cadet and going into becoming an officer and all these things. And this moment just proved again, just like how Nog is just going to move forward and always move forward. Nothing will set him back. And he just continues to improve and improve and improve on himself. And I just really love this character. Yeah, absolutely. Well, also from season seven for me, the very final episode, and this is kind of building up over the whole arc towards the end of of Deep Space Nine, but another character that I absolutely fell in love with, surprisingly, again, is Damar. And the way he starts out as just this minor lieutenant to Dukat, basically, into this, you know, legate that's in charge of the war against the Federation and a villainous character to a rebellion hero leading the uh, the rebellion against the Dominion on Cardassia and him leading the charge for Cardassia just before he gets shot and the rest of the troops carry on in his name in that moment. Again, a tragedy, a tragic moment. We're losing Damar, but there's that that hope to continue the fight against the Dominion. I love that moment and it's just so stirring to me. I would have never even thought of that one, but that one's definitely a good one. That's a good one. Because it's it's not a regular crew, it's not our heroes or whatever, and we're rooting for them, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, Absolutely. That's a really good one. The only other one I can think of is one of my favorite episodes, and it's The Visitor. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's an emotional episode, but to me, the stirring moment is towards the end, when Cisco comes back for his final time to see Jake. And Jake has sacrificed himself to save his father and bring him back. And and just the reaction of Ben Sisko to that and seeing what his son has sacrificed and he's killing himself to save him. And the father's like, you know, he wants to see his son live on before he lives on. And, and he's doing the opposite of that. And then when we return to the present day of before the or shortly after the accident on the Defiant, it, you know, Sisko... Cisco has to look at his son and realize the sacrifices and the meaning of himself to a son that his son doesn't even realize what he's done because it didn't really happen in this timeline. You know, to me, that whole yeah. thing is just stirring about not just fathers and sons and not just about relationships, but just about, you know, people, you know, and the mm-hmm. sacrifices we make for each other. And or that we should at least and I'm not saying what Jake did was right, but it just shows, you know, how much the importance of people to one another and what they're willing to do for one another. And anyway, I just love that episode. I know you you and Brandon talked about in a recent live show, which I wasn't able to make. And but that's sometimes I refer to that as my favorite Star Trek episode of all. 
Yeah. And I mean, very deserving of the title as well. Uh, incredible episode. And and yeah, I, I never fail to get emotional watching that episode. Absolutely. And I've seen it countless times now and it affects me every time. I'm even like emotionally affected just talking about it. <laughs> just Absolutely. in this brief moment. <laughs> Yeah, if you watched our live show with me and Brandy, that that happened too. <laughs> Absolutely. Brandy cry? I can't imagine. No, no. Perish the thought. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on to Voyager, and this was one where um, I wouldn't say I struggled. There's a few contenders, but for me, my pick might be a little bit of a more unorthodox one. There's a third season episode from early in the third season called The Shoot, in which uh, Tom Paris and Harry Kim are incarcerated in an alien prison, and they have these chips that activate their aggressive tendencies, and they, you know, people want to fight each other and all that sort of stuff, and it affects Paris quite a bit, and, and he kind of gets a little out of control, and the other prisoners want to kill him or, or try and, you know, take him out. And Kim gets between this mob and Paris and says, this man is my friend. Anyone who lays a hand on him has to go through me. And this is after Paris has attacked Kim because of this chip and stuff. And that moment, I just, it was a really surprising feeling of heaviness in my chest came up and I got a little emotional. I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that because, you know, Voyager is not my favorite of the Star Trek series. I don't usually as emotionally invest in it as I have with other ones, but that moment for whatever reason just really got to me. And then shortly after that, when they're back on Voyager, you know, Paris talks to Kim and he says, I remember hearing you say, you know, this man is my friend and, you know, you can't attack him before going through me. And that meant so much to me. And that just that acknowledgement of that deepness of that friendship just really got to me. And I, I love the friendship those two have, uh, as shown in that episode, especially. I mean, I just love the relationship between these two. They're my favorites, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> I'm glad you pointed out that episode. I haven't seen that one in a while. Again, I, I I need to get back on track on doing my Voyager rewatch because I watched these episodes as they came out and I've seen several of them since, but I'm sure there's some episodes I still haven't seen since they originally aired. I just need to go through a rewatch. And this one I haven't seen in a long time. But as soon as you were talking about that, I remember this. And I really mm -hmm. want to go. I'm, I, I swear to you, I am going to watch this episode. Out of everything we talked about, I'm watching this episode today. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, so the only other one from Voyager that that kind of was a contender that I thought of mentioning was uh, there's an episode called One where the Doctor's mobile emitter fuses with some of uh, Seven of Nine's techno Borg technology and creates a 29th century Borg drone who kind of ends up being a surrogate son to Seven of Nine and his sacrifice at the end of that episode and what it means for Seven's emotional growth in that moment uh, when she says, you're hurting me. And one says back to her, you will adapt before he sacrifices himself again, lots of tragedy in that moment, but also just like a weird kind of paternal pride in this son for sacrificing himself to save Voyager and stuff. Incredible moment for sure. The one thing I want to call out and it's not a particular scene, but it's, 
several scenes. And what always stirs me about Voyager is the conversations that Janeway would have with Chakotay or with Tuvok in her ready room, Mm. where she has to make a decision and she is alone. I mean, she's got the weight of, out of all the captains we've seen, maybe except for Captain Burnham now, but out of all the characters we've seen, she, I feel, has more weight on her shoulder about her crew than the other captains and the fact that they are isolated out in the middle of nowhere with no one else. They have no one else to rely on and she's the leader and she made a decision that had them stay out there. So there's a sense of guilt that she has in, you know, was that maybe the right decision? And even if she does feel it was the right decision, she has her crew out here that's away from their family and their friends And she's trying to get them back home. But she also can't keep that distance from her crew like a typical captain would because they have to, they only have each other and they have to be a family. So she has Mm -hmm. this line that she just, she, she crosses a little, but not too much. And so she's really got to find that right balance. And I feel that she probably has all this weight on her shoulder, but when Chakotay comes in, or Tuvok comes into her ray room and she needs to talk about something, you can just feel that weight just like come off of her. Like you two are the only people I can really rely on. And every mm-hmm. time those moments happen, it's always stirring for me. You know, it's just, you know, you are my friends. You are the ones that are the only people I can rely on and come to and help me through this. Cause I'm by myself on this. And I just, yeah. it always is stirring to me. So any of those scenes always work for me. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I like that for sure. Yeah, so much happens in that ready room. I think even back to the very first episode where Janeway says to Tuvok, I spoke to your parents. They were worried about you. And Tuvok says, that is a misapprehension. Parents, Vulcans do not worry. And Janeway says, they miss you. And Tuvok says, as I do them. Like there's just, you know, deep emotion there yeah. that only a Vulcan can get across. I love that. Yeah. Those, yeah. yeah. Those types of scenes for sure. That's what I'm thinking of. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to pop over to the uh, TNG films and uh, I kind of picked one moment from Star Trek first contact. And that is the Vulcan first contact when the Vulcan ship lands, that whole scene with the Vulcans greeting Zephram Cochran and he shakes their hand. And that's just in that moment, Star Trek starts, if that makes sense. Like that's, that's the moment that like leads to everything in Star Trek. And there's just the weight of that moment is so great and i love that scene so much i've seen it so many times and our crew <laughs> is standing there watching it too thinking that exact same thing this is exactly the yeah yeah oh, so good so good yeah and then the only thing i would add then is nemesis of data's sacrifice to save picard mm-hmm. i'm why am i going through all these sacrifices and things but <laughs> but <laughs> but even just before that just knowing that you know data is willing to jump out of the ship and float through space to get over to the Romulan vessel and try to save Picard. And I don't know. Those are just those moments too. But even at the very end with B4, you know, Mm -hmm. and that scene with Picard, that was singing blue skies. Yeah. Yeah. That was very, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. 
Well, those of you out there who know my feelings about the Enterprise series finale, These Are the Voyages, might be surprised with this pick. But my pick from all of Star Trek Enterprise, and there are quite a few moments that I think of as very stirring in that series, but I wanted to pick this moment as a bit of an olive branch to that final episode. And that is the montage of Enterprises at the very end where we hear uh, Picard first saying space the final frontier and Kirk picks it up with his Enterprise and we see it fly by and then Archer finishes the monologue with the NX-01 flying by at the end, kind of cementing its place in Star Trek and Enterprise history. I I love that moment. I think it's incredible. That was definitely on my list, and I was surprised to see it on yours. (laughs) (laughs) I figured you would be. But yeah, for all the reasons you said, I'll never forget the moment of seeing that for the first time, because it did feel like we were at the end of Star Trek for now, you know? Mm -hmm. I knew at some point it would come back, but, you know, all those years of new Star Trek, and it was ending, and to see that montage of, you know, here are those three Enterprises with those three captains at the end, that was cool. I liked that. Yeah. Definitely. Is there any others from Enterprise that you wanted to bring up? So for Enter- for others on Enterprise, the only thing that's coming to mind, again, I didn't work through the list. I'm thinking it quick in my head, but the whole, the stuff with uh, T'Pol um, and Archer, where Archer doesn't remember things, it's in the future. Oh, yes. Thing. Twilight. Twilight, yes. That episode was very stirring for me. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Yeah, the the sacrifice that T'Pol has made with her life to, you know, care for Archer and stuff. That's a that's a good one, definitely. Uh, I also wanted to quickly mention the uh, the alliance between the Vulcans, the Andorians, the Tellarites, and the humans in the three parter with the Romulan drone ship, where all the ships come together in that fleet to kind of uh, coordinate. And this is kind of like the first step towards the coalition towards the United Federation of planets. Eventually. I I love that moment. And you see, I think it's uh, uh, Shran and the, the Tellarite Grawl or somebody shaking hands and the camera pulls out of the window and shows all the ships flying in formation together. I love that. Oh, moment. Yes, that's great. Ugh. See, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to think there's gotta be something really good that we've forgotten. Everybody's yelling at us right now. <laughs> oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, let's pop over to the Kelvin timeline briefly because uh, I have one from Star Trek 2009 and this is the very start of that film, which I think is one of the best, done scenes in star trek the sacrifice of the uss kelvin and george kirk to save uh, his wife and the rest of the crew and his son who's currently being born that whole bit where he's sacrificing himself for his son's future and like i say for the future of the rest of the crew as well uh, incredible moment one of the best star trek scenes ever in all of star trek i'm not saying it's the best but one of the best for sure. Absolutely. I, I have no other things to say except for that. That was definitely a stirring moment. Yeah. What a way to kick off that movie. Like, oh, yeah. do, regardless of how you feel about the rest of the Kelvin timeline or, or how it went from there, that scene, just so incredible. I Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I do watch it just for that. Yeah. And then in that same film, I just want to give an honorable mention to Spock. Again, kind of the book ending 
we've we had him doing the monologue in Star Trek 2 and at the end of this movie he prime Spock does the monologue as the Enterprise flies off as well space the final frontier that whole thing we get Leonard Nimoy giving that speech again I, that was an incredible moment and just always makes me really happy. Yes, of course. Of course. If you liked it in the one, you're going to like it in the other too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so to add to that, I'm going to hit Into Darkness. I always find it stirring to watch Benedict Cumberbatch do his monologue about his family and his people when he's in his cell mm. and he's tearing up. The performance of that is always stirring to me. Like Khan is just like, you know, you can just feel the weight of the emotions and the devastation and the anger that he's carrying in him. And so I've just always loved that performance. So that's always stirring to me. Um, and then also in beyond when they arrive to Yorktown station, I love that. Oh too. yeah. That's a great sequence. Absolutely. Yeah, That whole sequence of them flying in and you're seeing around the station and how that looks and everything. And the enterprise looks so small going through it, you know, it just shows how huge the station is. I always love that scene, too. Absolutely. For sure. Well, I'm going to pop over to Star Trek Discovery now. And this is a series that's filled with a lot of those moments. It has a lot of deep emotional moments, stirring moments. But if I had to pick just one, it has to be from the first season. The episode, What's Past is Prologue, the episode where they escape from the mirror universe. And Saru finally truly takes command of the ship and gives his we will not accept a no-win scenario speech and that whole scene where he says this ship is no longer Lorca's it is ours and this will be her maiden voyage and for the first time that crew comes together in service of good rather than evil if that makes sense you know no longer is the the mirror universe Lorca in charge of this ship it's Saru and they're finally a Starfleet crew undergoing undertaking a Starfleet mission to escape from the mirror universe and get back to where they came from and they finally all come together and we finally get a focus on these more minor characters I love that moment it's such a turning point that is a really good one it's very Starfleet it's very Star Trek right you know it's mm -hmm. that's a really good scene there's so many scenes of little speeches here and there made by like Burnham and Saru and others that I always think work really well and that's a real good one that you just mentioned well thank you <laughs> Uh, is there anything else from Discovery you wanted to mention? Yeah, from the last episode, season one, Will You Take My Hand, when we see the Enterprise for the mm, first time, mm -hmm. and just the new look of the redesign for the series, and just seeing the Enterprise approaching Discovery, that was a stirring moment for me. <laughs> Absolutely. And then to kind of uh, bookend that as well, the end of season two for discovery for me, when the enterprise sets out, you know, they received the final signal that says that Burnham got to where she needed to go safely. And Spock analyzes the signal and Pike says, where shall we go? Number one. And they set out blast off at warp off to their own series, presumably at some point, hopefully coming soon next year. And uh, yeah, that whole moment was really touching as well. Yeah, and then another one that just comes to mind is Adira going to Trill to the pools. Oh, that's a really good one, yeah. So that scene when they're in the in the cavern with the pools and 
really discovering themselves and who they are and what does all this when with Burnham there and everything. I I love that whole scene. Now, see, that's another episode I feel like watching today. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Absolutely. Well, let's uh let's close out, of course, with the last two series we haven't touched on yet. So Star Trek Picard, for me, it has to be Data's final goodbye in the final episode of season one of Picard where uh, they're inside that, you know, memory place and Picard's there with data and he gets to finally say a a proper goodbye. And uh, we see that kind of featureless room and, and eventually he fades away as Picard finally, you know, unplugs him basically that whole bit tragic and sad, of course, but also, really gives me those stirring feelings because he's finally getting the closure that I feel he didn't get in Nemesis personally. Right. So that's, yeah, the playoff of the stuff I mentioned in Nemesis, this is the mm-hmm. the bow on that whole present, you know, make that really complete. And, and, and even just seeing the rest of the crew, their reaction, thinking that Picard is gone, that plays around this scene was always mm-hmm. stirring to me too, because it wasn't even just the loss of Picard, but the fact that they've accomplished their mission. And so it's like bittersweet, you know? And yeah, yeah that whole ending, I really enjoy the ending of that episode. Absolutely. That is one of, right up there is one of the best scenes in all of Star Trek as well, personally. Yeah. I sometimes just go to rewatch that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. Well, believe it or not, I did pick one from Star Trek Lower Decks as well, which may not be known for its like stirring, deep emotional scenes so much, but I do have to say the final episode of season one where Riker and the Titan arrive to save the Cerritos from the Paclids, that whole moment seeing that ship on screen in canon for the first time and uh, Riker, you know, (laughs) <laughs> there's a pack led party and I wasn't invited that whole thing. Like it's irreverent. It's silly. It's fun. But to me still also very, very touching. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And yeah, I, I enjoyed that very much. Uh, Titan. Hey, yeah. Why not? Very exciting to see that. The other stirring moment that just came to mind as you mentioned, and this is a very, very small one, but it's Tindy boarding the Cerritos for the first time. Oh, that's a good one. Absolutely. So it's hard to find a lot of stirring moments in Lower Decks because it's such a funny show, you know? <laughs> but yeah. there's there's little ones in there. There's definitely little ones in there that show a lot of heart that yes. these characters have. And believe it or not, I just thought of another one. And it's when it's revealed at the end of, um, I think it's the second episode, where uh, Boimler has had a bad day and he's doesn't feel like he belongs in Starfleet, but he ends up saving Mariner from the Ferengi. And then at the very end, it's revealed that the Ferengi is a friend of Mariner's and that Mariner kind of just took all this abuse and being made fun of in order to help Boimler out. I love that moment. It's just, it really shows what kind of a person she is and how much she cares for her friends and stuff. I'm so excited for season two. (laughs) <laughs> me too i can't wait <gasps> this week this week oh in just gosh. two days after this episode comes out we have lower deck season two dropping yay i'm so excited well one final call out is yesteryear from the animated series i want to put something animated series in there that whole oh. episode to me is stirring yes absolutely i really like that uh 
there's so much in that episode the the realization of spock's past and of course the sacrifice of his pet all of that very very good pick for that for sure and another one just popped to mind not for the animated series but in tng the episode family when uh picard and his brother robert are fighting in the vineyards and picard breaks down that always gets to me it's getting to me right now as a matter of fact. <laughs> that scene just gets to me uh Again, that relationship of brothers that fight but love each other, you know? Oh, yeah. I love that one. Oh, man. Okay, from that same episode <laughs> as well, uh, Worf and his parents, when Worf is talking to them about his discommendation and his parents are saying, you know, we didn't really understand, but we want you to know we're here for you. Whatever you need, we'll always love you. That whole scene, and I, I think it highlights the importance of not just biological families but also adopted families i think that's a that's a great representation of that and one that i really appreciated as well yes i totally agree with that and those scenes always remind me of me and my parents (laughs) yeah totally me too (laughs) awesome well i'm sure we missed about a thousand stirring moments and this is by no means a comprehensive list but we would love to hear from our listeners uh are there any that you think are particularly egregious that we left off, please get in contact with us. Let us know. Uh, you can contact us on the Positively Trek discussion group. You can comment on the post there. You can email us, positivelytrek at gmail.com. And you can tweet to us at Positively Trek on Twitter. You can even find us on patreon.com slash Positively Trek. And if you'd like to support us there, we would really appreciate that. Thank you so much, of course, to all of you who are already supporting us. We truly do appreciate everything you do for us. And Bruce, when you're not getting your emotions stirred by great, wonderful moments in Star Trek, where can we find you? Well, you can find me watching Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, when McCoy's father's death scene happens. That's always stirring oh, to me, too. Yes, that was on my absolutely. list. I forgot to mention that one. So I, that's my <laughs> plug for that. But I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And uh, I'm on the Star Wars Report podcast and occasionally have been on Literary Treks. And when I'm not getting uh, emotional over Garrick's breakdown in the season two Deep Space Nine episode, The Wire, you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. You can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Productions. And of course, as always in the Positively Trek discussion group, we really want you to join that group. It's a lot of fun and we know you'll love it. So thank you all so much for listening this week. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.